0: In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Okay, sometimes something is just so funny that you've got to get it out of your system and and share it with everybody. This has, well, maybe nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going to throw it in for free right up front. Just wonderful story that I heard this week about the the country parson who had this young family who was wanting to join his congregation, um, young couple with some young children, and he was showing them around the beautiful sanctuary and all the Christian education classrooms to get them comfortable with the environment and welcome into the church. But this congregation in particular had a really neat selling feature. They had this memorial garden on the outside, and so he takes them outside and he just kind of knew that if he could get these good old Americans outside to the to the memorial garden, that would probably seal the deal. So he walks outside to this beautiful garden and the flowers and the dedicated area and he pauses out of deep reference. And right at the entrance to the garden is this plaque. And this plaque has these names of all of these people. And beside the plaque, of course, is this American flag. And so they say, you know, what, what is this all about? And he says, well, this, of course, is where people died in service. So they pause <laughs> and they think. And the young boy tugging at his cassock eagerly looks up and says, well, is that the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> I'll let it settle for just a second before we continue. (laughs) Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This, as we know, is the great commission of Jesus Christ, This is what we Christians are charged to do by God. And this is what we Christians get to do with God. So we start with the natural questions that we have. Well, what what does it mean for me to be a disciple? And what does it mean for me to make disciples? And maybe we ask ourselves this question, am, am I capable? Am I capable of doing this? You see, I suppose that no Christian would deny that making disciples is what we're supposed to do, but what we may question from time to time is our ability to do it. That that somehow making disciples is reserved for those Christian superheroes who we read about. But my friends, I want to dispel this myth right from the start. Every Christian can be, every Christian can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And every Christian can make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, it's easy enough to define Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship is simply to accept and to advance, to accept and to advance the doctrines and the disciplines of the Christian faith, right? That's a reasonable definition of discipleship. And of course, definitions are useful to us as far as they go. But here's what I'm after. I'm after that we discover discipleship. Because I think that's what Jesus himself is after, that we discover what the life of Christian discipleship is all about. The joy and the joys of Christian discipleship, they, they come to us, I think, through a process of, of what we call guided self-discovery, just like Jesus' first followers experienced the life of discipleship. So as we look into discovering discipleship in this season and as we approach the text specifically this morning, I want to put this idea in our heads as we begin. More than just define discipleship, I would prefer that we describe discipleship. Because discipleship is ultimately about relationship. So here's here's the image that I would put in our minds and and I would invite us just to reflect on, not only during this time, but as we go through this season of discipleship at Christ the Redeemer. I would describe discipleship as the intersection of God's beauty and our brokenness. Describing discipleship as the intersection of God's beauty with human brokenness. You see, if we can find that place in our own hearts, if we're willing to go on that journey of guided self-discovery, of allowing God to guide us to and through our own places of brokenness, well, my friends, that's where we'll discover the beauty of Christian discipleship. Now, along with this idea of beauty and brokenness, I want to offer what I think is also an appropriate image to describe this idea in a little more detail. It is the image, perhaps, of a man or a woman. He or she, perhaps, has a fractured or broken bone in his or her body, but simply will not go to the doctor out of willful stubbornness. In time, of course, that bone will mend itself, but most likely because it hasn't healed properly. In other words, because it hasn't been touched and corrected by the hand of the surgeon, well, that stubborn man will go through his life with unresolved pain, and problems, and his pain and problems will not only affect his life, but they will adversely affect the lives of others because of that frustration and anger and unresolved pain. And of course, that's a metaphor for us to begin to search the scriptures and discover the one who would mend our brokenness, that we might enjoy the beauty of Christian discipleship. So Philip cries out to Nathaniel. He says, "We've found him. We've." found him. And the image that immediately comes to my mind is something like Tigger, right? And, and he's bouncing on Winnie the Pooh, right? He's just all fours right on his chest, knocking him to the ground. Philip comes to Nathaniel with this unbounding joy, and he says, he's the one, right? This is the one that Moses and the prophets were talking about. His name is Jesus, he's the son of Joseph, and he comes from Nazareth. Well, you can't blame Philip for being excited, right? All of the brokenness that the Jews had suffered for generations, all of the brokenness that they were now suffering under the oppression of the mighty Roman Empire. Here's the question Could it be, could it be that God's Messiah was now arriving on the scene? Let's take it another step. Could it be that Philip was actually beholding? Right before his very eyes, the Messiah that God had promised. Could it be that Jesus truly was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets? I'll draw us back to the lesson that we read in Isaiah last Sunday morning. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Listen, he will bring forth justice to the nations. Isaiah continues, he will not fail or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Now, let's imagine Nathaniel for just a minute. You can imagine that Nathaniel might be a little bit skeptical. Nathaniel carries the same hurts as Philip. Nathaniel carries the same hopes as Philip. Philip. But you can't blame him for saying, oh bother, oh bother, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Here's the point. There had been many messianic expectations and claims before. There had been other insurrections in the past and everyone, every one of them had ended up in crucifixion under the mighty Roman Empire. Let me put it simply. If you plotted to overthrow Rome, you were crucified, period, paragraph. Now, more than just imagine Nathaniel's skepticism, perhaps you know Nathaniel's skepticism in your own way. And let me say this, you're not wrong to respond the way Nathaniel has responded. In other words, I'm not hitching my wagon to this horse unless I'm absolutely sure we've got the right horse. Is Jesus the great physician? Can he heal the brokenness of this world? Or should we look for another as John the Baptizer questions? And of course, the only way to resolve the conflict is how? For Jesus himself to prove himself. And this my friends is where discipleship is discovered. It's when Jesus himself engages the conflict. It's when Jesus himself enters that point of crisis. It's when Jesus himself confronts our fears. And as he confronts our fears, he begins to cast vision into our lives. And we cry out in response like the centurion, my lord and my God. You see, Philip, Philip did a great job, didn't he? Jesus said to Philip, "Follow me." And Philip rose up like an obedient soldier. He went straight to Nathaniel with the good news. He found a willing audience in Nathaniel, and he convinced Nathaniel to come and see for himself. But my friends, that's the point. That's the point. Each of us, all of us, are called to come and see for ourselves because the place where discipleship is finally discovered is when we take our brokenness all the way to Jesus and we allow him to minister to us and bring forth his peace all it takes on our part is a step right A willing step, an honest step, a transparent step, a trusting step. Jesus, in other words, sees Nathanael coming toward him. And even as Nathanael is still approaching Jesus, Jesus doesn't wait for Nathanael to get all the way there. Even while Nathanael is still on the way, a little bit like the prodigal son coming home, right? Jesus, look at what he does. He starts speaking blessing over Nathanael. Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Jesus cries out. How do you know me? How do you know me? Nathanael says. And here's the beautiful response of our Lord. And I think this is where we can all put ourselves in Nathanael's shoes. Jesus says, before Philip called you, before Philip called you, I saw you. Before Philip called you, I saw you. There you were sitting under the fig tree. My friends, God is not surprised by us. We, we don't catch God off guard with our troubles and our doubts and our fears and our angers and our anxieties. God's not surprised by us. He already sees us. He is the great physician. And the good news is that he still makes house calls. As Jesus starts to minister to Nathanael, as Jesus enters Nathanael's place of brokenness, as Jesus assures Nathanael that he is, in fact, God's Messiah, Nathanael cries out, right? It's his turn. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What a profound... Declaration that Philip and Nathanael have now made. And this is where Jesus starts to cast vision into Nathanael's life. He invites Nathanael into this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, of the covenant continuity, of the covenant completion. Jesus says, Remember, remember that dream that your ancestor Jacob had. He had a dream one night, a long time ago. And in that dream, God gave him a vision. And in that vision, there was this ladder. And the ladder, it says, was established on the earth. And the top of that ladder reached all the way to heaven. And on that ladder were the angels of God ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord himself stood at the top of that ladder. And this is what he said. In Jacob's dream, he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised that I would do. Doesn't that sound just a little bit like the Great Commission in Old Testament terms? And as Nathaniel remembered... This vision of Jacob as Nathaniel recalled the covenant that God had made with his people as Nathaniel remembered that God is faithful to his promises. Jesus spoke again to Nathaniel and he said, look look closely at the ladder, Nathaniel, look closely at the ladder. What what do you see? What do you see? I tell you, Nathaniel, you will see even greater things than your ancestor Jacob. You will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathaniel, I'm, I'm the ladder. I'm that ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. I'm the ladder. I am The latter. I'm the fulfillment of the covenant promises. I'm the future of covenant blessings. And my friends, Nathaniel became a disciple. Can we be disciples? Can we make disciples? Maybe you've never prayed out loud before. Maybe you've never prayed in a restaurant with your family before. And maybe in your mind a disciple is someone who does that. Maybe that's the beginning of your journey in Christian discipleship. Maybe you've never prayed with someone before. Maybe you've never gone on a mission trip. Maybe discipleship is moving your pledge up to ten percent. In Revelation 3:20 20 to 21, Jesus makes this offer and this promise. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. And he with me. He goes on, he says, to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on the throne with me, just as I sit on the throne with my Father. My friends, Nathaniel became a disciple because he let Jesus into the door of his life. He had to let go of his preconceived notions, his paradigms, his presuppositions. He had to open the door and let the great physician enter his heart and perform the spiritual surgery that was required to mend his brokenness and turn it into God's beauty. And my friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He conquered the stronghold of sin he defeated the power of death. Like, we don't have to question that anymore. There's an answer, and his name is Jesus. And as I said in a minute ago, he's still making house calls today. Do we want to keep trying to fix the broken bones ourselves? Or are we willing to give Jesus our brokenness and let him make it beautiful? It's going to look the same for all of us, and it's going to look different for each of us. It's going to look the same because we're all disciples of Jesus Christ. We all meld and mold into the objective biblical truths of the Word of God. But it's going to look different because for each of us, our place of brokenness is probably a little bit different. For some, it's addiction. For others, maybe it's divorce. For others, it's abuse. For others, it's something else. But my friends, here's the only question that matters. The only question that matters is, What is it for you? What is it for you? What's the place of your brokenness that God wants to make beautiful? What hurt do you have that Jesus wants to heal and give hope in your life? This will likely be your most vibrant witness to the gospel. After all, who does a better job of helping alcoholics than those who are recovered alcoholics, right? So here's our first assignment in discovering discipleship. What is the place or places of brokenness in your life? Will you let Jesus in? Will you allow him to start speaking blessings into your life? Letting go of our preconceived notions, our paradigms, our presuppositions. Jesus is knocking at our door this morning. Will we let him into our hearts? And... Let me offer this. If you need to take a companion along the way, come talk to Father Mark and me. We're here to help. Like that's what we signed up to do when we decided to become priests. And I think the invitation goes beyond that because this is Christian community. We will begin to reach out to one another. That will be part of our journey as we'll discover in our Lenten program in this journey to discipleship. But for for today, let's let the journey begin. Let your journey begin. Let's discover discipleship at Christ the Redeemer. What is your place of brokenness? And how does Jesus want to make it beautiful?